like there's a, a lot of you know organized stupidity actually in the in the research community when it comes um, um, on how we collaborate and how we try to make our um, knowledge accessible even to colleagues that are very close to us. Benedict Fecher is my sparring partner in this new episode of Exploring Digital Spheres. Since 2017, Fecher has headed the Learning, Knowledge and Innovation Research Program at The Hig. We speak about the creation of new knowledge at universities, how essential they are to the way we do research, but that researchers often don't find the time to do what they do best. The, the typical academic career path takes people away from um, doing research one at the point where they're the best. Fecher pleads for thinking differently on what research actually is and how to creatively share its findings within our societies. Here is our conversation. Um, would you say you have a, a different way of getting to the Hague than most people that study here? Like there are different kinds of people at the HIC, as you probably have um, got to know during your podcast sessions as well. Like there are those who have been here for a very long time. There are still a few that um, also studied here as PhDs who also have, um, you know, like um, like leading roles now. And um, there are also, of course, people that are here for a shorter period of time. You know, visiting researchers, associate researchers, um, and those are actually incredibly important because they kind of stay part of the broader family. And of course, we have a lot of um, students as well. Um, also, those um, um, and people usually stay for a long time because they like it here and they can, as far as I can see, it, um, work on more um, or on better topics than they could do perhaps in, in other research institutions. So it's a, like a lot of different kind of roles that are here um, and people that um, are fluctuating, but of course, always some, some kind of core team that um, remained over all these years. And I think this is part of the strength of the, the HIC. Maybe as a as a little bit of an introduction, um, I was uh, reading on the um, uh, Hig website your little bio, and there were things that I did understand, like for example, um, that you are dealing with questions concerning the governance of science and innovation. What I didn't understand is the sentence that follows that, in particular with the topics of impact and third mission. Well, maybe it's better if I even go a step um, um, further back. Um, so in the program that um, I am heading, we actually have three pillars. So we look at how knowledge is created, how knowledge is organized, and how knowledge is disseminated. So there's the inner, like the first pillar, the inner scientific um, perspective. Um, here we do, for example, studies on how researchers share their data, like what motivates them to replicate um, Then we have the second pillar where we look at how research is organized. So we look at, for example, how the institutions for knowledge, basically universities and um, research institutes, are equipped for um, doing research for the 21st century, basically meaning like what kind of knowledge do they produce, how for um, the problems that we are facing today. And um, the third pillar, which is um, um, on the relation between science and society. And here I think um, the, the term um, third mission and the term um, impact and relates to because we look at um, how um, you actually could define um, societal impact and how you could measure it. So basically the first mission of um, um, like, you know, academia is research, the second mission of academia is teaching, and the third mission is um, like a bit uh, of a newer term, the relation between science and society. And um, when people talk about third mission, they usually mean um, the kind of um, you know, knowledge transfer that happens from universities um, to society. You were saying um, uh, at some point you're 
doing uh, or you're focusing on researchers within academia. Um, could you maybe talk a little bit about the role that universities play in all of this? Uh, I can understand that maybe universities, there this context or this, this um, to provide this shelter for these re- research to do uh, research. Um, um, what would you say is the role of universities in the sharing of knowledge uh, between researchers as well? Well, I mean, like universities are incredibly important institutions and um, I mean they're highly regarded and important for for many different reasons. They've been there for forever. Um, They become bigger um, because we get more students of course and more money is put into research and um, of course also um, you know universities um, have an important role for a modern knowledge society because they of course they educate um, you know future workers and they um, produce knowledge that should be um, applicable in different societal spheres but at the same time they are of course very old institutions that um, well this is my personal opinion come very um, um, close to um, often very close to like what what Weber Max Weber described as a bureaucratic organization like it's some somehow like even ironic how um, you know the organization of knowledge is um, um, represented in universities and you wonder if this is the best way to organize um, um, knowledge in the 21st century. Just um, like one example, you have the, the, this faculty structure. Like how often does it happen that um, one researcher works together with a researcher from another faculty? Like that, that is basically um, um, doesn't happen. And you wonder like um, 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 why why is it not happening? Because of, um, of course the people that um, um, sit on the chairs um, um, want their people together so it's basically a lot of different single units that are very specialized in particular areas and are prevented by design um, to talk um, um, to each other if you go to university you often even don't find a, a coffee machine that would um, make it possible for people to to you know talk about their research over a coffee like it's a um, it's it's very fascinating also the way how um, careers at universities happen you know you're a maybe you're talented um, a PhD, then you are a, a successful um, um, postdoc, you know, you publish a lot, you're able to get funding from um, renowned um, um, funding organizations like in Germany, DFG, for example, like the German Research um, Association or the BMBF, whatever. Like, but you accumulate um, um, funding and resources, you basically, and then perhaps you become a professor, but then as a professor and you showed that you are, um, you know, a very good researcher, then suddenly you are a science manager and you're not able to do research anymore. But you are perhaps um, um, involved in 15 different projects where you cannot actually do a meaningful um, um, contribution. You're responsible for um, 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 20 PhD students and actually believe this is something um, um, that is um, um, worth having. You know, it's um, interesting how actually this... um, um, the, the typical academic career path takes people away from um, doing research one at the point where they're the best. It's a, um, I, I think um, it's called Peter Principle. Have you heard about this? Like you, that you, um, you know, you're, um, you, you climb higher um, um, the, the career level until the level of um, incompetence where you then remain. <laughs> and this is um, like if, you're, if I'm a bit nasty, could be the, the typical description of a, um, a professor career. Of course, that's not the case, but I mean, the, like, not always the case. But the logic is, is a bit like the same as if you would, um, you know, you would be messy and, um, um, and suddenly Barcelona would decide, yeah, we, um, I don't know what the coach is named, Valverde or whatever, like they would um, decide to replace him with Messi because Messi is the best football player. 
you know, it's, you know, taking the best athletes out of the, the game in order to, um, you know, manage the game doesn't make any sense. Now, of course, you're looking at these institutions, like, for example, universities. Um, you're looking at how relevant information comes across, how it is, has a societal impact. Um, what would you say is sort of the research of the future, let's say it like that? Do you have any idea how ideal research looks like or what is a, a more relevant approach to doing research? Well, I, I myself do not have a really normative approach towards it. Like I, I think there are um, like different kinds of research and, and like all different kinds of research should have their um, freedom to do what they want to do. For example, it's like, like I don't think that base, base research should um, um, be applied. Like you shouldn't ask a, a base researcher to, um, um, you know, to work on a society, like a, a problem that is um, relevant for society. Um, like the, nobody asked for a computer, for example, but so did nobody um, for the nuclear weapons, by the way. Also um, 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 an example for a, a societal impact that base research had. <laughs> but um, what, I, what, I, what I try to say is like um, there should be freedom to do um, whatever you want to do. But um, like we should um, um, make it possible for serendipity to happen. So if we say, for example, um, you know, like a lot of um, things that happen in in um, in, in base research, so like with base research, I mean research that basically um, is conducted within um, disciplines or only within science. But what we, what we um, um, have a lot here is um, unnecessary boundary work. So, for example, an institute says, um, or often also com research communities, um, you have to publish in these six journals. Otherwise, it's not important. You know, this happens a lot. It's it's very common. It's very common for for institutes and universities, faculties to have these sort of journalists, and there are many different other phenomena for this um, um, as well. But let's just think about what happens if you have one of these um, journalists. If I was, for example, an economist, and I would publish in a top psychology journal, you know, I would be in a way, you know, super relevant or super excellent because I actually um, succeeded in, you know contributing relevant knowledge in a, in, a, in, a, in a related field. But this wouldn't count into my, um, you know, like in, into my recognition or in that, that kind of recognition that is important for me to, to go one step higher. As, as an economist? As an economist, yeah. So, like, um, it's one thing, and it happens um, a lot if you, if you look at um, how, you know, how, how politicians and, and also um, um, science managers um, um, argue. Like it's one thing to, to say you have to work, um, you have to work in a disciplinary But it's another thing to prevent it by stupid design decisions such as journalists, for example. And you find that a lot, especially in the social sciences, like every single research field um, um, tries to imitate being a discipline. So I studied, for example, I said I, I studied economics and communication science in my bachelor, and then I um, went on to study um, um, organization science. But um, communication science, which I still um, um, you know, refer to a lot by the ways um, I, I look at things and then the methods that I use, um, The communication scientists don't talk to the media scientists, even though they look at the same at the, the same problems. It's just I'm not, I'm not sure what, what it is if it's if it's ignorance or arrogance or um, you know, but it, but they um, um, pretend to 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 do different things. Um, the same um, holds true if I look at like the the disciplines that I'm now you know relating to. Um, for example, those people that um, do higher education research and and you know, science communication or science research. Um, 
like those are also um, um, two different um, um, communities and they publish in their own journals and they, they have their own professorships. Like there's a, a lot of, you know, organized stupidity actually in the, in the research community when it comes um, um, on how we collaborate and how we try to make our um, knowledge accessible even to colleagues that are very close to us. Would you see a, a research group or development in researchers uh, outside of academia, outside of universities come into existence? Um, you mean if like there, there are meaningful collaborations between, um, um, let's say, institutionalized researchers? And yeah, of course. I mean, like, of course, this is all a, a gray zone. Like, it's like there, there is nothing like a pure base research and pure um, applied research. But there are um, highly skilled people, of course, in in like in in like in, in non um, um, research related or non academic fields. Like there are of course um, data scientists that are much more equipped than most of the data scientists in research that work um, at Google or Facebook. Like um, just um, one example, or um, economists um, at the the World Bank or um, um, whatever. And, and this is just like if you think about um, you know. Like um, let's say deep research or research that is um, on a on a very high level, but also on a let's say a bit of a lower entry level, like in this whole citizen science projects, for example, like that are also projects where um, um, you know outsiders um, work together with researchers. In a way, this is also a good way for um, you know science communication because what could be a better way to communicate um, um, with people than involving people in in an actual research project. So I think I think there are a lot of um, um, like a lot of bridges between um, like productive bridges between um, um, science and society, um, both on an expert level as well as on a on a lay level. We've I think talked quite a bit about one or two specific topics. Is there anything we sort of missed but that you'd like to sort of talk a little bit about in terms of your research? Well, we we could talk about the um, an essay competition that we started last year called um, like that was something a bit. You know, unrelated to the things we usually do, but it's it still has some like, you know some founding in 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 our research program. So we did a research, uh, we did a um, essay competition um, um, started last year. It's still ongoing, called 2040, where we actually asked researchers to imagine um, utopias for a digital society. So we um, mapped it on in, like, onto five categories. So the future of work, the future of love, like with love also interpersonal relationships, the future of living, how do we live in cities, but also in the in apartments, whatever, the the future like rule, like how are you know governmental relations, how is um, um, regulatory things going on, how do countries work together, and one that I'm all, oh learn of course. Like, how do we learn and how do we um, create knowledge in future? So these, these five we had and we like, put it out there and more than um, 100 people applied for it. Actually, also, like, very good um, um, researchers wanted to take part in this, um, what I think is a, a science communication um, experiment. Because usually we as researchers are good in, you know, making sense of the past, um, criticizing the present, but we don't think much about the future. It's something that is a bit, um, you know, some would even say unscientific but i think it's not unscientific by the way like if you look at um, big science philosophers like karl popper for example who um, you know is the father of critical rationalism and falsificationism like he basically says like you always have to um, be skeptical about what is there this is the, the 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 idea of cumulative research right being skeptical about what is there also you know 
like putting that kind of knowledge um, um, away from um, the pile of knowledge that we um, refer to that is perhaps um, false. But you could actually also apply this kind of um, um, critical rationalism to the future. So why not um, develop utopias and then asking why they could not work? So this is um, why I think it's um, um, a valuable trait for science as well, and not just for like future researchers. Like there's there's a, a stream called future studies or something. I don't think this needs to be a discipline. This could be a method in in, in many disciplines. Anyway, so we did this essay competition, and then um, but we only asked for um, extended abstracts. We then invited them to Berlin, and the first thing we we went uh, we did we went um, out to the countryside um, where we stayed for five days, and we had different coaches there. And it, for them, it was like a very um, you know unusual experience. Like um, they were like they could just focus on working, like um, like no emails, nothing else. There were just like there were no disturbances, and we tried to make it as um, easy for them as possible. We had coaches. I thought a bit about that, like you know, um, what's it called? Uh, the Christ like the ghost of Christmas um, past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. So we had three different kind of coaches that um, um, were all there for different um, um, parts of the stories they they produced. So we had one that was like, like very focused on creativity and destroying the idea that they had um, um, first and try to reformatting it in a, in a new um, um, in a new um, format. And then we had another one that was just helping them on, on producing text um, quickly. So it was like a very um, colorful experience for them. Um, which is also interesting because in the end, and now like we have all the essays, we're now doing the proofreading. Like this is where we are at the moment. We're trying to reach reach out to um, partners that could help us, um, you know, making more than just because we want to do an edited volume that is open access. But I think like we shouldn't stop at the edited volume. Like we should um, think about what could be good ways um, to build upon the edited volume. So for example, have open education res um, open educational resources because you can make a nice lecture out of it. You can make an exhibition out of it, you know, all these kinds. So at the moment, like we have an illustrator doing nice illustrations for the chapters. Um, we are doing the proofreading and we try to reach out to perhaps um, find partners to do um, a bit more than just the edited volume. But what I found um, funny is like due to this whole process, like this whole, um, you know, moderated process, but also the, of course, the experience um, in the countryside, they didn't produce essays anymore. Now they produced, um, you know, diary entries or um, 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 newspaper articles or fictional um, um, policy briefs or um, 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 email conversations, you name it. Like They were also like very um, creative when it comes to the format that I chose to um, deliver the message that I wanted to. And of course, like this is nothing that every researcher needs to do. And uh, but I found it like a very, um, um, like you know, a very enriching um, experience to just have something like that as well, and to see that, um, you know, that for a lot of researchers is. Um, it's also important to, to create a space to um, do meaningful work. And if we come back, for example, to this um, idea of a university, like often the space for um, meaningful work to happen is not there. Like you have all these um, useless reporting, planning, um, um, accountability apparatus. Um, like we need to create space for creative people to work on meaningful things. And I think perhaps this is the um, ideal of research that um, you were asking me a bit before. That was Benedict Fecher talking about pushing the boundaries of knowledge creation. If you want to know more about his research, click on the links in the show notes. And as always, for more information on the Alexander von Humboldt Institute for Internet and Society, their research and future events, go to hiig.de. In our next episode, HIG researcher Thomas Bechle speaks with Frank Sauer 
on laws, legal automated weapon systems. Ladies and gentlemen, if you learned something today, if you're 20 minutes wiser about the internet, then do leave us a comment or rating on iTunes. This was Exploring Digital Spheres. Catch you on the flip side.